Good day, and welcome to the Talk It Out podcast. My name is Neil Bailey Harper, and I am here in focus with Parental Discretion Advised. Hey, parenting for me was never going to be that easy, but some decisions were never going to be that hard either. I hope today finds you well. If not well, you are doing your best to get better. I had the flu. I just got over having the flu, which I have not had for 20 years or so. Before I get to that, though, let's go back to this. The music I'm listening to tonight. I am in a revved up chill mode. So, the great Earl Klug. This is wishful thinking. Okay, I had the flu. Saturday, Sunday, remember uh, The Godfather? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Saturday, Sunday, I had the flu. Um, prayerfully, and, and I'm blessed that the actual fever part of it only lasted for about six hours. And I say only six hours. I have a very low threshold for pain, so that's just like saying minor surgery. But it was only six hours, a temperature of about 102. Um, broke that evening. Ended up having to change shirts three times during the night. The next day, I was sluggish, but I wasn't in fever. And a lot of what I attribute my dealing with this was, was the fact of the way I eat. And the fact that I've gotten better about the way I eat. Um, two, three years ago, my oldest son, who is a was a full-time vegan for a while, but really is into nutrition a lot, I started eating blueberries in the morning and just drinking water in the morning at night and some type of fruit. And then I cut out the cheese steaks and I'm from Philadelphia, so you know that cuts deep. I'm down to maybe one or two a year now, where it was one or two a month. Um, And I just started, I've always been, I was a track athlete in high school, so I've always been a runner. But I just started physically taking care of the inside of my body, what I put in it better. I eat more vegetables. I eat a lot of uh, good fruits now, a lot of whole foods. Um, and, and I take ginger and I do turmeric and I take some Dr. Seabee's uh, sea moss and, and supplements that are just all natural and good for me. And I think I, I don't get sick a lot, knock on wood, praise God. But I think it helped me in my recovery from what was the flu. And it was just the flu. So I do feel better today. Something else I wanted to talk about too. Um, Being in bed for two days, I I watched Goliath. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, It's Billy Bob Thornton's uh, season number four. Now, before you say, if you haven't seen it, firstly, it is a great watch. But before you say four seasons, Neil, no, it's really each season is eight episodes and they are completely different topics in every season. Season four hit a chord with me because it's something I've done two or three podcasts on. Uh, I talk about podcasts called called Dr. Feelgood, which is mostly about the Sackler brothers, the founders of Purdue Purdue Pharma and uh, Oxycontin, Oxycodone, whatever you want to call it, the killer drug. Um, and I've done three podcasts on that, but season four of Goliath is about opioids and it is a very clean, very difficult, but very good watch. 
So if you are in the market for some really quality television, firstly, it's Billy Bob Thornton, who I think is a great actor. And most of the projects he lends himself to are really good, really, really thoughtful projects. Well, Goliath season four has uh, J.K. Simmons in it, uh, Billy Bob, Bruce Dern. It is really, really well made. And I just completed the eighth episode yesterday. So if you're looking for something to watch, Amazon Prime, it's Goliath. If you haven't seen any of it, go through the first three seasons. They're, again, there are eight episodes. Each episode is about 45 minutes. Um, but each season is a different topic. It's a different story. So you don't go in thinking that, um, you know, you have to pick up uh, where you left off. No, you don't. Because they're all new stuff. Uh, okay. That being said, this again is Earl Klug. The song is Living Inside Your Love. Um, I am blessed to be a parent. A parent of two young men, uh, 29 and 27. It's one thing I always wanted to be. And it's one thing I value probably more than anything else. Being a parent. Um, so when, and, and you know what, Here, here's what I think of a lot too. I think of the fact that with my two sons, I actually got to take part in the birth of both of them. No, they were natural childbirths. They were not natural childbirth, but I got to take part in the birthing of both of my children. And just, okay, just the beauty of a child to me. Is, is, is a charge that we are here. If you choose to be a parent or if you become a parent, some one way or the other you chose it. So if you happen to become a parent, it is a charge that you are responsible for in many ways more than you are your own life. My opinion, the way I see it. Um, I remember when we brought our first child home uh, my wife had been in an extremely, maybe 36 hours of labor before that we decided to have a C-section. And three days later, we brought him home. Just so happened to be my birthday that he came home on. Um, had he not come home on that day, I was going to have a party and pick her up from the hospital the next day. Because remember back then, you get four days, normally in the early, in the 90s or 80s, it was stay in the hospital for four days after you had a child. But, well, she wanted to come home after three, so we came home after three. And we took our son in the bedroom and I went back in the living room to get something. When I came back, the woman I'm too related to by marriage was crying. I mean, crying, crying. And I looked at her and I said, hey, this is such a happy time for us. In my mind, I thought that. I said, why are you crying? And she looked at me and she said, he's gonna be here. He's ours. He's not going anywhere. Basically, we have to take care of him. He's our responsibility. And I thought about it. Then I started crying. <laughs> but it, it, it was just the emotion of the moment where you realize that you are now responsible for another human being that can't do anything for himself but look to you or herself but look to you. And as a parent, we don't... People can tell you, and everybody who is a parent knows this, and even people who don't 
who aren't parents know this, people can tell you as many things as they want about what you, what you should do and what you can do and what's required of you as a parent. But it's your house. There are things, many things that you learn by yourself. Yes, you come with experiences of your own, um, from your childhood, all kinds of stuff, that's all kinds of input, but it's your family, it's your child, and you're the child's parent. And I cherished every moment of that. And one thing I knew I was not gonna be with my children for 18, maybe 20 years, I knew I wasn't gonna be one thing for sure. Well, I, I take that back. I knew I wasn't going to try to be one thing for sure. And the one thing I wasn't really trying to be was their friend. Because being their father was a full-time job. Now, at times, there were, there were many friendly times. But I had to know that I was their father. Uh, the woman I'm related to by marriage is their mother. We are very close-knit family to this day. But we became friends more so in the last three or four years because that's where the relationships evolved to, for me as a parent. Um, and raising males, raising uh, African-American black young men, being one myself, I know that's a little off the pale from what or there are certain things added to that fatherhood that are my responsibility to, to relate to my children. And, and it's working out fine. They're very respectable, hardworking young men. And I love them to death. I love them to life and I'm very proud of them. Um, so with that being said, I'm thinking about the system and the situation that happened in uh, Oxford, Michigan, it was last week, um, where lo and behold, we have another school shooting. Sadly, a 15-year-old goes into his high school with a semi-automatic weapon and kills four of his classmates and wounds eight, seven, eight others. Um, it never gets any better. These stories are, are as tragic as they, as they can be. To know that as a child, you're going to school in fear of not failing the math test, of not being embarrassed because you can't climb the monkey bars in the gym, but in fear for your life. In what we pretentiously want to call the greatest place in the world to live, You know, I'm glad, I'm, I'm proud to be an American. That is not anything I'm proud about. That is not anything I know, I don't know how I would have dealt with going to school, knowing that at any point, now here's, let me say this too. I grew up in Philadelphia, okay? I went to public school in Philadelphia. So there were grudges people held against each other. Yes, you had fights in school, of course you did. But randomly, in our country in the last 20 years or so, we have 
so many acts of random violence in schools from children just in pain or in anger or in distrust, whatever the reason, and they all have access to firearms, not, not firearms that could just wound one or two people, which is one or two too many anyhow, but firearms that can kill a multitude of people in a very short amount of time. Um, what's different in this case in Michigan, this again is Earl Klug. The song is Pretty World um, from his Heartstring album. What's different in this case, and, and well, I don't know how different it is, but what I know about this case is that there were signs, clear signs, given by the situation and by the child himself before this incident took place. Signs that the teacher saw and reported. Signs that the administrators were told about and called in the parents to deal with. Signs that the parents knew about. All of this was clearly put out there because it was put out there by the child in need. The child who eventually ended up harming and killing other children. Systematically, we do not love our children. Okay? If a 15-year-old writes a note that his teacher sees which says, paraphrasing now, I have these thoughts, I need help, and draws a picture of a semi-automatic gun with blood coming out of the gun that his teacher sees before anything happens and takes to the administration and then they deal with the parents and somehow through all of this communication or lack of communication, the child is allowed to stay in school where he then goes and finds a weapon he concealed and kills four of his classmates. From an administrative standpoint, what I'm trying, and, and I've, I've been a teacher in public school systems, I'm trying to decide or trying to just, fan, I can't phantom what would make me think I'd have to keep this young man in school when he's crying out for help, loud and clear. We, and his parents want to keep him in school when he's crying out for help, loud and clear. And then when he hurts somebody, what I consider an evil turn of events, you kill some kids and, and wreck their families in ways that they couldn't have imagined before when they sent their children to school that morning. And the mother and father of, this, of the young man who committed these acts 
takes the next two to three days to gather belongings, collect money, and hide out in a warehouse in an attempt to evade interrogation. Meanwhile, their 15-year-old son who needed help in the worst way sits behind bars waiting to address his fate. So, And then to also find out that the parents bought this gun as a Christmas present for their 15-year-old son. And as I guess since it's a Christmas present, why would you secure it? It's his. So he's allowed to take it. It is just such a sad series of events that as a parent, we, hey, one of my sons is a close to a firearms expert. He taught me more about guns than I knew. After a certain age, he didn't have a gun at 15 or 16. That's the way I decided to deal with things in my household. Um, and not only that, it would have been illegal for him to have a weapon at that age. In the state of Virginia, I don't know if it is in Michigan, but again, how are you not concerned about, or how do you faint concern for your children when you provide these instruments of destruction without any coherent instruction when you don't care for your child? And regardless of, again, what is the mindset of a parent that wants to leave, wants to flee the situation when your child is in the worst situation he's ever been in in his life? The way you parent is you decide to leave the situation. I don't know. Um... I think about the parents who lost their children first. I really do. And then I think about the child who took the lives of his friends second. Now, what is different in this particular case is the parents are being charged for lack of a better term. I don't know the actual term, but it's kind of got to be something like depraved indifference to life or you're, you're basically they're charged legally and I hope they go to jail I really do because maybe it will make other parents more conscious of what can go wrong in situations that they don't oversee as a parent Situations that we involve our children in or that we allow our children to be involved in and we do nothing to oversee it. 
but react to things when things go wrong. I'm not trying to understand what they could have been thinking because that's nothing I could understand as a parent. There's nothing that would make me understand what they were thinking because I couldn't, I wouldn't think that way. I wouldn't think anything that they were thinking could make sense in the way it played out. So, the other thing that I agree with is that the parents are being charged um, or the, the, the shooter is being charged with terrorism. Because of what, I, what we don't give a lot of, again, systematically we don't love our children. Think about every other child in that school who is terrorized at the thought of knowing that they lost a friend. Or if not a friend, just someone who goes to the same school that they do at the same time that they were in that school. It could have been them as a very realistic thought and a very scary one. A very scary one. So, there's a terrorism charge being involved. Hey. We can find ways to create vaccines at warp speed. Um, But we can't keep guns out of schools. Or we simply choose not to keep guns out of schools. Um, This is something that as a parent, I fail to see how we can disagree on certain things. I fail to see how we can disagree on wanting our children safe. And I fail to see how we wouldn't think keeping guns out of school should be a major priority in keeping our children safe. It's sad. I pray for the families that lost their children. I pray for, I pray for the children that were shot that I hope they get better soon. And I pray for parents to understand that the only role model your child needs is you. You have to help them through things they don't understand. And they'll get it when they get it. But right now, if they don't, and you do, then be a parent. Talk to somebody, y'all. Let them talk to you. This is the Talk It Out podcast. Have a blessed and wonderful day.